Listen up, Minnesota. This is the Minnesota Made Podcast. The show that highlights Minnesota's local business leaders and experts in construction and manufacturing. If it's made in Minnesota, you'll find it here. Now, your host of the Minnesota Made Podcast, Jason Webb. What's up, Minnesota? I am at Steiner Construction, located in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Another great Minnesota-made business. Across from me is Philip Baum, the CEO of Steiner Construction. And next to him is Justin Iverson, the president. How are you doing, guys? Outstanding. Very well. Thank you. Good, good. Now, I'm a little out of practice. I haven't done a podcast in a little, probably about a month now. So... Uh, bear with me. I might have to stumble through this right along with you. You guys haven't done a podcast before either, right? We have not. We are green as they come. <laughs> <laughs> we'll carry you through. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, Philip, you were recommended to me by a friend of mine, Matt Bialik. Did I say his last name right? He, you did. Yeah. He did a great job on the podcast, and uh, he highly recommended you. And I think one of the things that he mentioned about you, correct me if I'm wrong, that you served as an expert witness? I did. He hired me as an expert witness on a construction case that he's working on. Okay. And so I'm still involved. Still? Um, still yeah. going on? Yeah. It's, they're supposed to be a trial last week. It got postponed to October. So I may have to testify at this trial, but I'm hoping they'll settle. (laughs) Interesting. Now, I don't know a whole lot about being an expert witness in anything. And, uh, but what I, what I would, from the movies, right? What I gather is you would come in and say, Hey, this contractor, you know, he did this and this as part of the process. And that appears correct. However, he neglected to do, a, B, and C, you know, and that's kind of standard practice in this field. And it's under my opinion, you know, I, at least I would have done things differently in that situation. Is that kind of? Uh, yeah, that's usually what an expert witness in the construction industry. It would be forensic work. And uh, the biggest dispute there is in the construction industry is water intrusion. Mm. So almost all of them are have to do with water intrusion and what wasn't done correctly. And so then they can see that there was negligence or fault. This one's just different because um, it has to do with the uh, agricultural farmer did some work. The contractor did some work. They're pointing fingers at each other uh-huh. and what's common in the industry and who's really the contractor and who's not. And so the contractor's claiming, oh, no, the farmer was the contractor here. And I'm just... And and so it's kind of unique. It's it's just very different. It's hard to explain. Okay. Very complex. Have you served an expert witness before? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Philip, can you tell me about the history of Steiner Construction, where it all started, and, uh, you know, if there's anything interesting you want to mention along the way? Um, Yeah, I would. Thank you. uh, It is interesting because our founder, Paul Steiner, started the company uh, coming out of World War II. He was an Army vet and uh, building homes in the Hopkins area. And he partnered up with Art Koppelman, and they started Steiner Koppelman. And um, so they were building homes up until the 70s, and then they started another company called Steiner Development, and they would build buildings for themselves. 
Um, so if you wanted a home built, you come into our office and talk to the folks over on the right side. And if you wanted a commercial building built, you talk to the folks over on the left side of the office. And then 1999, uh, we sold the home building side to our cabinet guy. And it's still in business today, Steiner Koppelman Homes, building high-end homes, you know, around the lake, those types of things, mainly in the western suburbs. And then uh, Paul Steiner sold it to his son-in-law and another individual. And then his brother bought it. And then uh, so it's evolved a little bit. And in 2003, I came on board. Our CFO was retiring. So I bought out his shares. And it stayed that way until um, 2017. And after my business partner retired in 2017, I bought him out and became sole owner. With my sights set on retiring at the end of 2023, we are now in year three of a multi-year ownership transition. I'm selling my interest to three of our executives. Justin Iverson became president earlier this year and handles all the day-to-day operations. Pat Krukshank, executive vice president, works closely with Justin in charge of business development and marketing. And Scott McDonald, our CFO, oversees all of our accounting and banking needs. It's been a great partnership, and I could not be happier on how the transition is going. They're doing a fabulous job, and I can sleep well knowing the company is in great hands now and well into the future. All right. Sounds like you got quite the dream team. Isn't that right, Philip? It's cool how uh, people come together and build something greater than, you know, you can build by yourself. And I think those key relationships, as far as the company is concerned and your leadership team, can make or break a company. So great job putting that team together. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. The, the three individuals came into my life and it's just made this transition go so well. So I, like I just said earlier, I couldn't be happier. Awesome. You ready for all that, Justin? I am. I'm rather excited. Yeah. So what's your background? Uh, I'm sure you didn't come in here green, did you? No, no. So I was born and raised in Minnesota. I started out as a laborer for a commercial roofing company during my high school years. So I did that for a time being, and then I later decided to go to college, a trade school for residential carpentry. Where okay. I gained my residential carpentry degree. So let me interrupt real quick. Yeah. So you you were a commercial roofer, correct? Laborer. So correct. Another lifetime ago, I went through something called a non-destructive testing out of Hutchinson as a two-year program. I got a job out of a with a company at Bloomington Energy Conservation Consultants, I believe. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they had me go on these commercial roofing projects and make sure like you guys were using the right materials that the there's no gaps in the roofing and yep. that the temperature of the asphalt was correct. And I didn't make a whole lot of friends on that job. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have to deal with those guys walking around? Do you remember? Uh, those as, as like an inspector? Yeah, or, like a quality control guy. You know, I didn't. I, they may lingered. have been there, but I didn't actually notice them. I was the guy carrying the the hot pails of tar yeah. to the mop buckets and yeah. the guy swinging the mop. And yeah. so, needless to say, it wasn't the most fulfilling job. Yeah. But it's something that got me through high school. Okay. Um, How long did you do that for? I did that for, boy, I did that through college too, even in the summer. So a good five, six years. Okay. Yeah. Right out of high school, I worked for a concrete company. We did poured foundations, which consists of these big forms, right? That you clip together. And I was the guy, there's, this is before boom trucks, right? So I was the guy that carried these, these forms from the trailer to the hole, right? And then pulled them out of the hole and stacked them on the trailer. Oh, 
man, that is that is that was some brutal work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. being a laborer, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so you did that for five years, then you went to college. Uh, to, for what? Uh, residential to, carpentry. Residential carpentry. Yeah. Okay. So I got my degree doing that, and then I decided I wanted to go for construction management. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to be in the field my whole life, even though yeah. that's kind of where I started. Yeah. Um, but I realized this wasn't for me full-time in the field. Yeah. So I went to uh, Minnesota State Community and Technical College in Moorhead, and I received my construction management degree. Okay. okay. So that's kind of where everything kicked off yeah. in my career. When did you graduate there? Uh, 2000. Three, four, two thousand four. Okay. Okay. And then you started here when? 2014. 2014. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you do in that 10 years there? So right out of college, I moved to California, Southern California. And that's where I actually started my construction management tenure, so to speak. Yeah. I started out as assistant superintendent. Okay. Quickly was promoted to a superintendent running my own projects. And then from there there was an owner's representative that I built a relationship with. Mm. And he said, hey, I know a general contractor that's looking for a project engineer. And of course, we all know project engineers are mainly spent in the office. Mm. And so I debated and I said, well, do I want to spend my time in the office or do I want to spend my time in the field? So I thought, well, this is an opportunity. I was young. So I took the opportunity, moved to the office for a different company and quickly uh, worked my way up through there from project engineer to assistant project manager to project manager. Okay, and I stayed with that company until 2014. And what? Why California? Is this a, is for the job? It was a good opportunity, and that's what spurred the move. Um, actually, it was really just kind of spread my wings. I wanted to get out of Minnesota. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to try something different. I had a buddy that his dad lived in Southern California, mm. so he kind of uh, brought the idea to me, and mm-hmm. I said, "Sure, let's do it." I didn't have anything. I didn't have any commitments here in Minnesota. Yeah, so I thought I'd try out Southern California, yeah. which I'm, I'm glad I did. Cool. Um, I gained a wealth of knowledge in construction and business. Yeah, um, I had a lot of good mentors there that helped me through. Okay. So yeah, it, w- it was a good experience. And then come 2014, my wife and I decided, you know what, we want, we need to start raising or starting a family, I should say. Okay. And we said, what's the best place? So we looked at a map and we did some research, and Minneapolis kept coming up, and we said, well, let's give it a shot. So yeah. we moved back here, and that's where I was introduced to Philip. Okay. So is, I, she, is she from Minnesota also? No, she's from upstate New York. Mm. So, but we did. I, I took a couple visits back. We visited yeah. before we made the decision. So, yeah. um, and she loved it. She cool. loved the lakes. She loved the climate. You know, the seasons. Yeah. Um, it's similar to upstate New York, so it wasn't as big of a shock. Other than maybe the cold, it's a little yeah. colder here. Yeah. But no, and then, yeah, so we okay. came back, moved back in 2014, and I started with Steiner. Cool. So, how'd you find the guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we had an ad posted for a project manager okay that he responded to yeah see that's a unique story actually because he come and interviewed and then uh, we offered him but he couldn't start for like three or four months okay and i said well that isn't going to work <laughs> and so he was finding that was a problem because usually people don't want to wait that long right put so, in your two weeks over there and be done right yeah, yeah. and so i figured well he that ship has sailed yeah and then i got a call one evening that i moved to minnesota i you did <laughs> do you have a job he goes nope i figured i'm just gonna have to come here and make it happen make it happen and so i said all right let's meet tomorrow afternoon yeah so we did and he started the next morning <laughs> wow <laughs> How much time lapsed between the first conversation, like that interview where you said it's going to be three, four months to when you um, decided to move? 
Five, six months? Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. So okay. initially, I was just putting my feelers out there just yeah, yeah. to see what was available in Minnesota. So I threw my resume out there, and then sure enough, I got a call from Philip, and I flew out, interviewed, yeah. and then I think the next day, I had an offer. And I'm like, oh, well, this is a little soon. You know, I don't have my ducks in a row here in California quite yet. I hadn't notified yeah. my employer, for yeah, one, yeah. and that was going to be a, a hard decision or a hard conversation right. to have. So I let him know. I said, you know, I I not, wasn't planning on moving back for another couple months. Yeah, yeah. So then obviously, you know, he had more of an immediate need yeah. than I was willing to make. So, But that was the time that I decided, you know what, I need to move back. We just need to get there, and then I need to start looking. Sure. And that's when I moved back and gave him a call. And like he said, sure enough, the next day I was coming into the office. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right, Justin, let's start from the beginning. Where'd you grow up? What's your hometown? Uh, Crookston, Minnesota. Crookston. Where the heck is Crookston? So it is about uh, 60 miles north of Fargo. So the Red River Valley. 60 miles north of Fargo. Correct. Yep. Okay. All yep. Right. And then east of Grand Forks, if you know where that is. Yep. Uh, yep. It's the Red River Valley, the Great Plains, the farming community. Yeah. Okay. So. And uh, you got siblings? What was childhood like? Did you play some sports? I, I do. I didn't play any sports. I have five Brothers and sisters. Five. Four brothers, two sisters. Okay. So, right. yeah. They still in Minnesota? Uh, no. They actually are scattered throughout the United States. I do have, I shouldn't say that. I have, uh, my sisters are, one's in Fargo and one's in Crookston. And then my brothers are scattered throughout. Okay. So, one in Arizona, one in Texas, and yeah. uh, one kind of floating around. And how'd you find a wife in New York? Oh, good question. Uh, the online dating was yeah, uh, taking boy. off at that time. <laughs> you were a pioneer. I was. And you proved its effectiveness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you guys have a few kids? Uh, just one. One kid? Yep. Okay. One kid. Boy or girl? Girl, seven years old. Seven. Okay. Yep. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And uh, Philip, where'd you grow up? Oh, I'm a farm boy from Pine City, Minnesota. Pine City, okay. You know where that is. Yeah, it's about halfway more. between here and Duluth, right yep. on 35. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, was it a dairy farm? What kind of farm was it? Um, it started out as a dairy farm. We sold the cows. My dad went into the construction trades. Mm. And then we had the farm. We had some cattle, and we still farmed it. And that was my job <laughs> through high school. Yeah. And then once I left the farm, then they sold it. <laughs> I got a similar story. Like we used to burn wood for heat at my house and uh I moved out and they converted to propane. Yes. Right? <laughs> there goes the free wood chopper. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh how'd you get involved in construction? Well, it being around it, it was, uh when my dad went into the trades, he was a bricklayer by trade. Okay. And then his brother, which my uncle is a bricklayer by trade. So that was uh they did a lot of uh they worked commercial. Yep. But they did a lot of work on weekends up in the farm community where I grew up, sure. either building basements or fireplaces or pouring slabs. And so, you know, the kid had to come along and be the helper. Sure. And so, How old were you at this time? Oh, oh, I think I started at helping them when, when I was 13, 14. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. there was Good. plenty to do. I thought <laughs> this is a horrible job. It's really hard work. <laughs> when I got out of high school, though, I thought I, I, went, I took um, – classes my senior year to be a welder and i thought something i wanted to do i really wanted to work with my hands yeah but i didn't care for that the first summer out of high school then there was my opening my dad got me on with a commercial masonry contractor one of the larger ones in town gresser okay and so then i uh signed up in the apprenticeship program and um became a bricklayer nice and did that for 10 years and that's how i got into it and then um, 
became a on-site superintendent for another company. Huh. And did that for 20, and I've been here for almost 20. So you've been uh, your hands in construction for a long time. Yeah, next huh? year will mark uh, <laughs> next summer 50 years. Wow. wow. Yeah, so I've been in construction 50 years. That's a long time. Yeah, good for you. Uh, one of our more recent podcasts, I don't even know if it's been released yet. Um, uh, he heads up the Bricklayers Union. That's one of the local unions. Mm. and uh, What's his name? Uh, <laughs> can't remember you know i'll have to get back to you on that yeah i may not know the newer ones i know all the older ones yeah I've since probably retired yeah but the way he made it sound like if you are you know looking for a career or a job on the street and you don't really know you know how to get started and construction industry interests you their apprentice program and the amount of money and the benefits and everything attached to it seems like an awesome deal. You know? Oh, any of the trades, whether it's Brickler, any of the trades. The problem we've had in our industry is um, high school counselors, they took a lot of the shop classes out of the high schools, mm -hmm. which to me is a big mistake. Yeah. Whether you want to become a machinist, you know, an auto mechanic or a tradesman, whatever it might be. It's, in my opinion, it's a very honorable way to make a living. It's very mm -hmm. rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, you work with your hands, you see what you've accomplished, and they get paid very well today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and get paid well with really good benefits. <clears throat> and if you belong to the union, there's a good pension program. Yep. It's just everything you could ask for. Mm -hmm. um, the negative is in most of the trades, you work outdoors. And so um, it gets a little chilly in the winter, depending on what trade you are in. You know, yeah. if you're a drywaller, though, you're working inside, electrician, yep. um, those types. But, yeah, I just, they need to promote the trades more. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to come back. We've made a real conscious effort through the unions and different trade organizations to help promote the trades within high schools. Yeah. So it's getting a little better. Yeah. I mean, even when I was a kid, I, I, I had shop class, but... I mean, I can only remember having it for like a year or two. It yeah. wasn't like my senior year, we didn't have it for sure, uh -huh. right? And, uh, you know, when I was going to high school, there's like a stigma attached to the trades or getting into construction. It's like if you didn't know what you wanted to do, and if you were a woman, you go cut hair. If you're a dude, you go into construction yes. somehow, yep. right? And yeah. it was always like this... I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's a stigma attached to it, but it, it shouldn't be that way. No, and unfortunately, it is still there somewhat today, whether it's into the trades or even becoming a um, in manufacturing. Yep. Uh, the machinist is becoming much more high-tech yep. in both in machining or construction. You know, just today, it's amazing. You go to a job site and you vision foremans or superintendents with carrying rolls of plans. They don't do that anymore. They have their iPad and um, all their plans with the technology, surveying, used to take two people. Now it's one it's with GPSs. Yeah. Just the material handling isn't what it used to be. It used to be a lot more physical labor. It's a lot less physical labor right. on handling the material. Yeah. I, I just wish schools would promote, whether it be trades or something similar, yeah. more. Yeah, I wonder why they, you know, what, what, why wouldn't they? Why don't they? That's a great question. Yeah. Other than it's, uh, I think you touched on it, is probably the stigma. 
yeah. is that, um, you know, some construction workers you know, just give construction workers a bad name. Mm. Whether it's behavior or how they look, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I can't stress enough, having been 50 years in the business, in the industry, uh, as we would drive around the city, I used to, when my kids were little, I'd go, oh, yeah, dad worked on that building and that building, just go the 494 loop, and I could yeah. point to all these buildings. And it's pretty soon I had to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just do it silently. <laughs> right, right. Now they're tearing buildings down that I worked on. <laughs> this one needs a facelift. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we renovated a lot of buildings I've worked on. Yes. <laughs> now, Justin, when you went through school, did you also experience a bit of a stigma? Was it a hard decision for you to get involved in construction? No, you know what? Not really. Um, I've always loved working with my hands, building things. I mean, I remember sitting on the couch with my dad watching this old house. Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember when I started Bob Vila, watching right? Bob Vila. Yeah. I watched all the home shows, and I and I love the aspect of taking something from nothing. You know, taking a bunch of parts and pieces and and building something. Right. Building a structure that you could walk into. Sure. And really admire your work. But as far as school was concerned, you know, like Philip said, they didn't promote the trades a lot. We did have shop class, but uh-huh. they didn't say, hey, you can make a living doing this. Right. You know, it was really just more of the experience on how to build a birdhouse. Right. You know, but back then, who needed to build a birdhouse? Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't get a lot of that. Uh, it was really from just based on what I love doing. Mm-hmm. I always knew I loved building something, so I was always told, do what you love. Mm-hmm. So that's why I pursued construction. Mm-hmm. But as far as being promoted, I, no, I didn't have a lot of that. I didn't have a lot of the, the mentorship in high school and, well, college I did, obviously, but not in high school, where they said, hey, you can make a great living doing you know, construction. I never yeah. knew that yeah. until I actually got into college and they actually show you the data yeah. and you realize, wow, I could make a good living. Yeah. Oh, I think kids that age, a lot of them just associate construction with I got a hammer, yep. got some nails. Yep. This is what I'm going to go do. And it's you so know? much different. Oh, like so Phil's much different technology. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And just to learn the new technology and then to be able to apply it, it's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, August 2022. And, uh, you know, I know not too long ago, a lot of these podcast guests have spoke about labor and material shortages. Are you still experiencing some of that? Yeah, we are. Uh, Short term, yes. I think it's going to start coming around. We're starting to see material, not as long as lead times. And the price of that material, has it come down? Um, Not really. Uh, I think that's one of our challenges, again, short term, is just managing costs, uh, managing those unforeseens coming up. As as we sign a contract and we start three months later and the supplier comes back and says, well, we had two material increases. How do I control that? Mm-hmm. How do I foresee that? And then how do I bring it up to the owner? Yeah. You know, how do you have that conversation? Yeah. So, yeah, no, it is it is still a challenge. How about on the labor side? I, I think that's more of a long-term issue. I think we're always going to have that issue yeah. until uh, we do start promoting the trades more. Okay. But, yeah, it, it's an issue. Sure. Yeah, What I my experience there is that um, it's real skilled labor. We might be getting some labor to do tile work. Entry level kind of stuff. Yeah, but to see good tile worker, good masonry, good carpentry, those are hard to come by. So it's been more challenging managing that in the field, what expectations are. Um, we've had probably more tile installed and removed 
this year than ever combined. Really? Because it didn't meet our standard. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's that skilled labor. Yeah. You can find laborers all day long. It's that skilled labor huh. where they're actually trained in their skill. Yeah. And it has to do with training. They just weren't taught properly. Right. Um, and so it's just, uh, it's, no, it's not acceptable. Yeah. So take it out and then they bring in a different crew and then you set the expectations. And I think it's an industry issue. It's um, managing that quality. Um, I think both, we don't do residential, but I know uh, from some of my peers in the industry, they're struggling with that as well. You know, mm -hmm. there isn't the real good finished carpenters. There's some, mm -hmm. but they're going into it, but not being trained by the old guys like they used to. Right. Um, and then the other part, just taking pride in your work. Um, that's just a cultural thing. Yeah. It probably starts at home. I don't know. I think that yeah. issue is like an epidemic in all industries. It is. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or an attorney or whatever. Yes. You're it finding is, it in the hospitality industry. You're finding it in healthcare. Technology. This, like, yes. We're dealing with this technology company right now that got bought out by one of the giants that kind of are in that industry. And um, we still have to deal with that, 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 that vendor. But it's almost like they shut down the entire customer service department over there. Yes. Legitimately. Like, we've reached out probably 30 times. Phone call, email. You might get a hold of somebody once every 15 calls, 10 calls. But then they're like, we're going to create a ticket. You need to talk to so-and-so. Nobody ever calls you back. It's like, what in the world is going on here? And, uh, and then, you know, go, go out to eat, Right. I don't know. I don't know if I'm extra picky, but uh, between the service at a lot of these places and the food quality, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just should have stayed home and ate cereal. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's it's headed in the wrong direction. It is, and <laughs> um, and then you can get into the political side of it, and yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want to go there because that just upsets too many people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, we've seen dramatic change in just the last two three years. Yeah, because um, yeah. there isn't um, it's too much incentive not to work. Um, True, it's part of the issue. Now yeah. I'm just getting into the political side, so yeah, we'll go no, somewhere I, I else. <laughs> We can go there. <laughs> Sounds like we're on the same side. Uh, okay, so before we wrap things up, I want to get a little more detail on Steiner Construction. What what type of work exactly is it that you guys do? Now, imagine you're one of the listeners, you know, tuning into this and come across this episode, and uh, you know, I might want to reach out to Steiner if fill in the blank <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'm on the spot uh so we are obviously a commercial general contractor sure so you do commercial a lot of it's retail well it, it used to be it used to be we used to do we were we are licensed in about 35 states around the country oh wow and we go into the shopping malls and got out an old store and build new store okay um for example everyone's heard of christopher and banks yeah we probably built 450 stores for them Wow. Over the years. And, there's and where have you... Okay, that brings up another question. I've heard shopping malls are kind of on the decline. They know, are. Due to online... So that was our business for 15 years. Okay. Doing from Lucky Brand to... You can name all kinds of retailers. Yeah. And so we had always had at least 12, 15 projects going somewhere in the country, yeah. coast to coast. 
Um, then the pandemic hit and all retailer just stopped. Uh-huh. Our, our customers, our biggest customers all filed bankruptcy. Right. Um, it's like a lot of retailers. Yep. And so we had to pivot a little bit. Fortunately, the Twin Cities has been really strong. Um, so we'll do some retail work. Like we do still build a lot of caribou stores, okay. um, Aldi grocery stores. What is going on with caribou, by the way? I mean, they are popping up everywhere. I'm in Buffalo, population 15,000. We got three freaking caribous, dude. Three. <laughs> I'm saturating the market. <laughs> I guess. their model. Three in Buffalo. Yeah. I can't believe it. A defensive play to keep the competition out. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Uh, both of them and Starbucks do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. But then we do, we've done a ton of Aldi stores. They're starting to slow down, not building as many. Now we're building a lot of Chase Banks. We got several of those under construction. Okay. Um, we just finished a car wash in Monticello, and we've got a few more. We've oh, got right on twenty five there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, dude, yeah. We just we finished that one. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty sweet looking. Yeah, that's a really attractive car wash. Whoa. Yeah. Was that a new build or was that a it's vet new. clinic? It's no, new that's okay. from ground up. Okay. New build. Okay. And a lot of office work, a lot of office renovation work. Um, so that's what we're finding now more than new ground up is taking buildings that are tired or vacated and mm. renovating those. Mm. Um, I, it's probably over half our business right now is just uh, renovating older projects sure. or buildings. Sure. But it's all commercial, but it can vary from retail to office to industrial. Uh, we got a Mexican restaurant that's called a Mercado. Um, you got a restaurant component and a grocery store. Mm. So you can get all the Mexican foods breaking ground on that here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. And that's where the future, that's your, that's the direction you're headed? Yes. We've tried to be in multi, rather than focus on one, because if one goes down like retail mm. <laughs> just did, we've got something else to rely on. So yeah. we've pretty much touched all parts of the commercial. The one we don't do, which is probably a strategic error, is the multifamily, the apartments. That has boomed. Yeah, and, and we don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that yet. No, I'm not. A, I mean, it started with me because I'm not a wood guy. I'm a concrete and steel guy. Sure. And um, it's just different type construction. Sure. So I just chose not to. Yeah. Um, and I thought it would only last a few years, and it's gone for years and years now, yeah. this apartment boom. Yeah. So that might have been a strategic error, um, but it is what it is. How about mini storage? You guys do any of those? No. Just not. Well, we're trying to. We have. We've done some of the metro storage around town mm. um, a few years ago. And in California, that was Justin's expertise. Mm. Did a lot of mini storage. A lot of them, yeah. I think that, I mean, as an investor, like if I had a pile of money, I think that'd be a great investment. Yeah. Yeah. Put up a mini storage. Yeah. They yeah. they seem to be doing well. Yeah. And then the some independents are all getting bought by the national. The bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Will I leave anything out? No, I don't think so. Um, it, the business is still strong um, for us. I think our industry, um, if there's anything in our industry, we're trying to figure out next year. See, a lot of what we do, those decisions are made 12 to 24 months ago that we're mm. going to build something. So the time you get through all the city entitlements and uh, design process uh, and biddings, it takes quite a while. And so we're working on things now that that decision was made some time ago, some even pre-pandemic. And now with the rising, you know, with inflation, rising Mm. costs, lead times, we're not sure what 2023 holds. 
it, we think it's going to be okay, but we're not sure. So yeah. we'll, we're all a little curious and Wait we're and see. Kind of taking baby steps here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't have the answer for you, man. I wish I had that crystal ball, but uh, best of luck to you. Well, thank yeah, you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. All right, listeners, there you have it. Justin Iverson, the president at Steiner Construction, and Philip Baum, the CEO. Thanks for being on the podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. Did a great job. Yep. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Made Podcast. Want to be a guest on Minnesota Made or know someone who should be? Apply online at minnesotamadepodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app to be notified when new episodes become available. And we'll see you next time on Minnesota Made.